What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zantz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Paul Esten. He's a radio host for The Score 1260, The Manchild Show with Boy Green, and he also hosts the podcast, The Jet Zone. Super fun guy. We're excited to have him on. Stephen, how you feeling? It's a bye week. It's a little less stressful, don't you think? <laughs> a little less stressful, yep. I was hoping for uh, something different. I was really hoping that they would be uh, two and three going to this bye, especially coming off that big Tennessee win. Uh, obviously a bit of a letdown, but uh, it's Wednesday. I'm managing. I'm coping. Uh, doing okay. And we'll see. Uh, I think what happens over the bye will be very telling about what's going to come for the uh, remainder of the season. So how you feeling, man? Yeah, I mean, I'm feeling fine. I know that a lot of people have been just kind of negative, and I understand why. But like, in the day, we've we've talked about this at nauseum. It's a young team, young staff. It's just like, it's to be expected to have growing pains. And obviously, the game was super frustrating because, once again, the team didn't show up in the first quarter, which really the first half for that matter, but first quarter for the most part. And it just felt like they were down seventeen nothing before you could even blink. And it's like. You know, they got to get off to faster starts. You know, it's just – it's inexcusable. Like, they haven't scored any points out of any first drive this season. I know it's only five games, but still frustrating because even with Gase, they found ways to do that at times, but then they wouldn't score the rest of the game. So, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, I felt like this past week was a little bit different than obviously the Denver game and the New England game, which were really frustrating because you felt like the Jets actually had a chance, even though they fell behind pretty early, but then they, you know, they were a little more resilient in the second half, but I would say Zach's performance overall was really frustrating because he just felt like he was leaving a lot of plays on the field. You know, that bubble screen to Crowder that he completely missed was probably the big play that everyone keeps thinking about in their head. Cause they're like, it's like, it's like a bunny, as they say in basketball. It's like a layup. You've got to hit that. And it's just, yeah. I want to hear your thoughts on the game, and then I'll kind of go back to some other things I, you know, I could point out here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, um, you know, watching it live, I thought Zach was a lot worse uh, than I think he actually was once I watched the game back. Yeah, he missed layups. Yeah, he missed throws. But overall, I still think that he looked pretty good. I wouldn't call this a bad game for him. I would kind of call it a, a mad game. Um, I guess broader picture, you know, overall, all these things can be true, right? When it comes to the Jets. So yeah, there's frustrating losses in here, specifically coming off of a big win where it was against a team, you know, in a game that was very winnable, uh, you know, against mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons that were down their top receivers and O-line not looking that great. And Matt Ryan clearly hasn't looked that good up, in, you know, up until that point. Um, at the same time, we know it's a process. It's a young team. They're building, you know, we've said it a million times, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback, rookie play caller, all that stuff. But this is also following up 10 years of ineptitude and no playoffs and a season where it was just completely uncompetitive. And our patience is running thin as Jets fans. So all these things are true at once. So I can understand. I mean, but the, the complete 180, I think, from the fan base from last week after the win, where it felt like we were all buying Super Bowl tickets to this week where it's all doom and gloom. And they're already looking to who, they're, who the Jets should draft a quarterback in 2022. I mean, I think that's a little crazy, but overall the game, um, I'm glad that they were still in it. I'm glad they made it exciting. It was a game in the fourth quarter. They got it to within a, within a field goal late. Um, disappointing that that defense that has showed up week after week kind of let them down uh, in this game. It was, you know, Matt Ryan kind of had his way. Uh, disappointing the defensive line couldn't really get going against, uh, you know, a, a banged up old line and an immobile Matt Ryan, especially being down those two receivers where you thought maybe a covered sack or two could happen. Um, you know, but overall watching the game back, I didn't think Zach was as bad as initially thought. I thought they left plays out on the field. I thought the game plan on defense was a little lackluster and, uh, there's certain things that we've come to, uh, notice here through the first five weeks that are just frustrating. And one of them is personnel. Um, another thing, you know, we'll probably get into later second down play calling from the floor. I don't think everyone, I think everyone's being a little too tough on the floor, but I think that's one thing that we can really point to and probably all agree on that uh, needs work. But um, overall one and four, three out of the first five games have been competitive. I think this is a, you know, you and I were talking before the show, this is a different season than last year. It feels different. It is different. There's progress being made, even though it's hard to see. Um, wish we could have been two and three, but like I said, at the start of the show, I think what happens over this bye week and how the jets truly look in the mirror and self-assess and self-evaluate is going to be very telling of this coaching staff. And we got to hope that uh, they're different than the past regimes that we've become you know, used to. 
Yeah, no, I think you hit on a lot of great points. And I really think that the team is going to look a lot better coming out of the bye week. I think they're going to start to look like the team that we're hoping to see like long-term. I think, you know, they're going to fix a lot of the issues that we've been having, you know, missing on the short throws, probably clean up some of the penalties, which kind of brings me back to that Atlanta game. And I know we talked about this after, after the new England game, it's just that roughing the passer call, which was absolutely atrocious. It changed the game. Atlanta's punting and they're not scoring a touchdown. It's like, I know you can't make excuses as to why teams don't win a game or like whatever, but like, I just feel like that changed so much momentum. The Jets had a good stop. The defense, you know, they, they had to play a few more plays and they probably got a little more tired. So it's like those little things. I mean, listen, it's the NFL, every team, you know, except the Patriots when they had Tom Brady, but now they're not getting the benefit of the doubt anymore because they don't have them anymore. Every team gets those really bad calls their way. It just seems like we always are on the brunt of the bad side of it because we're the Jets. We haven't earned our stripes, as they say. But I do think the play calling is going to be different. I think they're really going to try to fix the run game because it's been terrible. They cannot get more than like 60 yards on the ground with the exception of the New England game. But most of those rushing yards came when New England was playing more soft coverage and really wasn't trying to stop the run because they kind of were in Zach's head. They were just like, make him throw, make him throw. But yeah, it's just it's it's frustrating and we're losing patience. I mean, I'm not really going to worry about anything until, you know, we get to next year at this point or really towards the end of this year if a lot of the same issues are happening. But, you know, like if we're showing progress, you just got to let it be. I mean, listen, they're much more entertaining. Listen, they lost by a touchdown. They came back in this game, but you can't play basically three quarters. You got to play four. And that's really what's been their Achilles heel so far. Yeah. No, I agree with you on the, uh, the the first drive and that roughing call. I mean, in, in, a, in a broader scale, the NFL has to reexamine what they're doing here with this roughing call because there's one, at least one every week, and there's one in almost every game that just makes you shake your head. So it's, it's you know, infuriating, especially when it's against the team that you root for. Um, but, you know, and you brought it up too, the New England game. I've said it before. Football is probably it, – it's uh, the sport that where momentum shifts and you can feel it. So – I'm not going to sit here and say that the Jets would have won that game, but I'm telling you the game would have looked different had they gotten that third down stop, you know, on that Quincy Wilson uh, sack or hit. Um, so it's same with the New England game, but the Marcus may fumble. You can't tell me that game wouldn't have looked different had the Jets recovered that fumble and potentially returned it uh, on the first drive. So those things, yeah, and the Jets simply, when stuff like that doesn't go their way, right now they're just not a good enough team to be able to overcome that. So when you're looking at, you know, stupid penalties from Nathan Shepard, who for everything it's worth should have been left on the in London, um, he's driving me nuts for all this. He's like, you know, the defensive line version of Chris Wanky, and he just keeps making mistakes. That just makes me crazy. So um, they're just not good enough to overcome the Zach Wilson mislayups, the, you know, terrible second down play calls, uh, stupid penalties that are costing them yards, costing them, you know, giving up first downs on third down. Um, They're not at that point yet where they can overcome those things. They need things to go almost perfectly to be able to execute and win games. Um, And that's going to be things that they have to clean up during the bye week. Yeah. I think they're, you know, their lack of experience at the safety position was really exposed this past week because, Kyle Pitts had his way and he finally had his breakout game. And like, we got to a point where John Franklin Myers is covering him in the red zone. I'm like, why is he doing that? He should never be dropping back in coverage. That's not his role on the team. His role is to create havoc in the backfield, whether it's against the run or against the pass. And I was just like, that was frustrating. I just, I just feel like the overall defensive game plan just wasn't there. The corners were fine. I know Ryan threw for over 300 yards. But really, you know, on the outside, Bryce Hall's doing his job. I felt like the slot guys were doing well. You know, Michael Carter, the second, I always don't want to mix him up. He's still continuing to show a lot of promise with this team. I mean, there's a lot of positives. I mean, I think the biggest thing you can take away is Elijah Vera Tucker seems like the real deal. And Joe and Connor were talking about this yesterday on Badlands. It was like, if you watch him, you could see he's just absolutely having his way no matter who is guarding him. He had one bad game the week one, and he's been just getting better week over week as we go. And that's exciting because, you know, the Jets did trade a little bit of capital to get to him, and it was a huge need because the interior has been a problem for this team for years. You know, we don't have to talk necessarily about the right guard spot or center, even though I'll say McGovern, I think, is playing a little bit better, but Van Rowden just continues to be a liability week after week. And it's like, how much more can you take this? Like, I remember I was doing questions for pick six, 
And someone's like, when do you think we're going to try someone, you know, young at right guard? And I'm like, I don't think so, because they really don't have that many right guards in the roster. It's really Dan Feeney. And then they have one guy in the practice squad. And I don't think they're really ready to just like, oh, you could play right guard. I mean, it's basically going to be Van Routen or Feeney. Ever, and then you you see these people talking about on Twitter, <laughs> moving Becton inside or moving like Fant or Moses inside. I'm like, no, like Fant becomes a swing tackle once Becton comes back. Moses stays at right tackle, which was confusing to from the start of week one. So it's like we really, really just need to see a little more consistency on the interior because I think that's definitely affecting Zach's confidence. You know, he's having people always chase him. Thankfully, he didn't get hit that much this week, but, you know, still frustrated nonetheless. Yeah, I think uh, you're hitting a lot of good points. And I think overall, the offensive line has improved week over week, um, despite Van Roten being a, a clear weak link on that team or on that unit. Um, they look good. And, defense, you know, Atlanta's defensive line is nothing to scoff at with guys like Dante Fowler and Grady Jarrett. I mean, that's, the, you know, that those are those are good players there. So the fact that Zach Wilson remained, um, you know, mostly untouched throughout that game is, is a positive. I think the O-line is looking better. I think the communication is obviously better. Um, I think that unit is getting better week in, week out, which is great. And I'm curious to see what will happen when Makai comes back. Um, I'm really curious to see if Makai can stay healthy, uh, you know, for the remainder of the season, which is a big question mark at this point. I mean, that's something that you have to look at and be honest um, about and not just look through fans goggles, but you know, Makai's been dinged up more often than not here. So something to keep an eye on, but then what happens with fan? Do they slide him back over and start him at right tackle or do they keep Moses um, at right tackle because he has been playing well and, uh, and move fan back to swing tackle. So um, this is something that'll be very interesting and uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out uh, you know, after the bye week and when Makai Becton gets, uh, gets healthy. Definitely. Steven, you froze, but I kept, I'm still able to hear you. And I think, <laughs> Now you're good. Now you're good. But okay. um, yeah, no, everyone heard everything you said. Just your face was not moving, but it's okay. All right. But all great points. So let's do a little exercise here. I want to hear, you know, give me three guys who have been impressive and three guys who have been disappointed. I'm, and you go, and then I'll give you three different ones. I'll try to think. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I think, you know, the obvious for impressive, I would say is CJ Mosley. And I was a big believer in CJ uh, coming into this year. I, I don't think anyone could have predicted how good he has looked. I think he's playing at an all pro level. I think he is uh, without a doubt, the MVP of this team. And I think his impact is felt and he's in on every single play. Um, so CJ Mosley is one uh, that's been impressive. I think Michael Carter, the second has been way better than anticipated um, and is playing his ass off right now. So that's gotta be a second. Um, and then the third, uh, let's see, I will say, uh, you know, you just mentioned him, but Elijah Vera Tucker, I think solidifying himself as that left guard and probably a force, you know, for the next 10, 12 years for the jets is just great. So when you can have that kind of reliability um, on the offensive line, I, especially, you know, and uh, left guard isn't a sexy position by any stretch, but when you can have that kind of reliability there, I think that just, uh, that, you know, speaks volumes and that's going to be a, a building block, obviously for something that, uh, Joe Douglas had to, um, you know, put together and, and solidify as he came in to, uh, to do this job for the jets. Um, from a disappointment standpoint, I would say, um, Let's see. That's a that's a very good question. So um, disappointing. I feel like Marcus May and his whole situation, you've got to look at that as disappointing. I don't know what's going on with him, him requesting a trade or wanting out like, you know, this is something that we probably could have seen coming. Um, but I think he played well in the time that he did play. Uh, however, just the way the situation is kind of shaken out, especially being on the franchise tag, I think is disappointing for me. Um, the way that uh, that. Corey Davis has played, even though he's starting to bounce back um, in those middle two games there against uh, Denver and, and New England. That was disappointing to me. Um, but overall, I still think that Corey Davis has been impressive. Uh, let's see. And then lastly, what would I say? Um, I That's a tough one. Uh, I'm really not sure. I'm going to go. I'll go out of the box here. I won't say a player. I'll just say that I'm really disappointed in the way that uh, that the offensive staff has used their personnel. That's yeah. one thing that is really just sticking out to me. It seems like, you know, and again, I've always said, we don't know we're not in the building. Um, so I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I'll never know. However, and I don't know if, if Sal is falling on the sword here and then going and having meetings with people, but 
it seems like they're overcomplicating really, really simple situations. So when they say things like, you know, Denzel Mims doesn't have, uh, doesn't know that, you know, have the knowledge of all three positions. Well, Denzel Mims makes plays when he's on the field. So figure out the position he does know and get him out there. Or Elijah Moore only played 16 snaps because the Jets didn't run a lot of plays. Well, if Elijah Moore is your best offensive weapon and your biggest playmaker, get him on the field because then maybe you'll have more than 16 plays. So I guess that'll be my, uh, my biggest disappointment, uh, not from a player standpoint, but kind of an overarching uh, theme there. Yeah, I was going to talk about more, but I'll start with my positives. So CJ Mosley, easily the biggest positive so far in this team. I mean, every week, win, loss, win or loss, you know, he's been there. He's he's doing all the things that we had hoped he would be able to do when they signed him for that huge contract in 2019. I mean, sideline to sideline, always where the ball is. You know, he's just physical. He's getting tackles. He's the leader of the defense. He had that crazy play, you know, in the Tennessee game where he changed it at the line of scrimmage and the staff was freaking out. They're like, wait, why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? And meanwhile, they got a sack out of it. So he's the easy one right there. Another guy, Michael Carter, the running back, not the second. I just think he's slowly showing progress. And I think he's going to assert himself as the lead back as we get out of the bye. I think by the end of the year, he'll be, you know, the definitive back. And I think that Tevin Coleman will be phased out a little bit. I, I mean, he, you could see he's got the burst. You know, he has the ability to catch the ball. I think one of the, the challenges for him is just learning how to become a better blocker in the pass game because that's what Tevin's really good at, and that's why he has a role in the offense. We know Ty Johnson's a complete liability, but Ty has a lot of juice, so I understand why they use him. And then on the last part, I mean, Quincy Williams, man. Like, he's been so much more than we ever could have hoped. I mean, I remember right before I like I saw that he got cut, I'm like, I saw he might get cut by Jacksonville. I'm like, the Jets are going to sign him. It's Quinton's brother, like – this is, this is how that he gets the negotiating tactic to get his extension. Sign my brother and I'll re-up with you guys. But, man, he's got a reputation for his own now. I mean, he's been great the last two games, even though obviously they lost. He still was good this past week. Hits hard, fast, physical. Just got to keep his head up for interceptions because, like we said last week, two opportunities on, like, short passes to the running back could have easily picked off. But, yeah, overall, I mean, he's been a pleasant surprise. Going into some disappointments, I kind of touched on this before, but I'll say Elijah, and I don't really necessarily think it's all his fault. I think that it's personnel usage, like you said, and I think that, you know, his time will come. I know Zach was saying it's just only a matter of time. I mean, we saw him in practice. He was easily the best player on the field offensively when we watched him in practice, but they just got to get the ball in space to him. Like, you just figure out ways to get in the ball, whether it's short passes, like slants, because he's the kind of guy who's a home run hitter. Like, I was watching the Giants and the Cowboys. They got to use him the way the Giants are using Kadarius Tony. Like, he could just do things when the ball is in his hands. He can make guys miss. It's just like we need that dimension in the offense because there's no tight end play. So I was going to move into that, just the tight ends as a whole. I mean, Croft, I think, will be better when he comes back. I know, obviously, he's been a little banged up. But just why is Ryan Griffin playing? Why is Dan Brown playing? They're both terrible. I know Dan Brown plays specials, and that's fine. I mean, the specials have been really good, so I'm happy about that. But Make Denzel Mims a tight end. We've been talking about this. Like, he has the body type. He's, like, 6'4", or whatever he is. Make Use him, like, in the Quincy and Noon one role. Like, he just, like you said, when he gets the ball or you throw it to him, he makes a play. Like, he had a great play in the London game. He had a great play in the Titans game. Great play in the first week, you know. And then, obviously, he was not playing the other two weeks. They really have to get that guy the ball and just stop being so stubborn with the tight end. I know it's, like, scheme purposes. You can't run the ball anyway, so why are you using the tight ends? Like, just – Change it up. Like you got to shake things up a little bit. And then I guess the last person I got to think for a sec. Um, it's kind of hard. I don't want to say Zach because it's been up and down and we saw some good things, even in some of the losses. Um, I mean, I guess just the interior with both, you know, McGovern and I guess Van Routen because they stink and this is yeah. really no way around it. And it's like, just like we don't have to settle for subpar play like we're, we had a great offensive line when this team went to two championship games I want that again I missed that line like Brick and Mangold were obviously the two studs on the team but obviously you had Woody you had more and then who's the other person that I missed I can't remember it, it was Fanica, but oh, then it became Fanica yeah and then, and then it was um Pete, it was Pete Kendall before Fanica Okay, so Fanica. And remember how good this team was. Sanchez had all the time in the world. They were able to rush for like almost 200 yards a game. It was crazy. So to me, it's just they got to fix that. I mean, you're talking about this before. There's just no options on the team. It's just it is what it is. You got to run with it now. I mean, if there's ever a guy who becomes available, you know, inquire, see what it takes to get him. But 
it's, you know, it's been tough, but I, like I said, I think the team's going to come out of the bye looking a little bit different, a little more juiced. And I think this is good. It's a reflection period for a young staff. Sal can see the things he wasn't doing well. Same thing with LaFleur. Ulbrich, I think, other than, with the exception of the Atlanta game, has been very good. Brent Boyer, the unsung hero, the specials have been great. Amendola hasn't gotten even a lot of chances to kick because the offense couldn't move the ball. But another thing is Morstead's been pretty solid as a punter. I mean, like, mm. I know we used a six-round pick on Brandon Mann last year, but why not keep rolling with Morstead? He's doing his job perfectly. Yeah, I think uh, so. A couple things as you were talking that I that I thought of. One, I think we're both probably a little remiss here not mentioning Bryce Hall in our in our positives because um, he's been uh, overly right. impressive, um, unexpected. Uh, I think we all thought that he could be a solid, you know, CB two. Um, I think we're all kind of questioning whether or not he could be a CB one now because he's he's played that well, and it's like, okay, is he the real deal? But he really does feel like it, um, and it shut down people that he's played against. I think I saw a stat where he's got uh, you know given up the fewest catches in the red zone this year, which is just great. So I think he is playing um over and above expectation which uh is awesome so um you know and the other thing is uh you know when you talk about personnel and i think we've said this on the show but it's like i don't think the jets have the luxury right now of trying to force anything down anyone's throat so when they're running these two tight end sets consistently it, it really that's what's infuriating about it is they should really just get the best players on the field to allow zach to have the most success and right now that they're healthy the best playmakers out there should be Mims, Corey Davis, Jameson Crowder, and Elijah Moore, and just make it work. And I think that stubbornness from a coaching staff is things that we're, it's, it's something that we're just way too used to from the Adam Gase uh, and, and Todd Bowles mold. And it's like, you need to be able to critique yourself and take that look in the mirror and say, you know what, our best chance to win is by surrounding uh, our young quarterback with playmakers and our best playmakers are these four guys. Let's stop trying to run Croft and Daniel and, and uh, Ryan Griffin, um, you know, down their throats. It's just not going to happen. Agreed. Agreed. So we talked about positives and negatives so far. And another thing we want to talk about is obviously adjustments to make. So I'll start this time, but just with like the main adjustment that I really want to do to try to help jumpstart this offense, incorporate more RPOs. And the reason I say that is we saw it work well on the two point conversion week one. It's how the NFL is. And they're not utilizing Zach's ability to be mobile. I mean, like I understand you want to protect your quarterback and I know that you don't want him to run too much, but at the same time, it's like, that's what he can do. We've seen that he's better when he's outside the pocket and things are going a little bit chaotic versus like him just standing there looking and looking. I think he needs to have more like design runs. And I know DJ from the Daily News was saying to me, we shouldn't do design runs probably because he's smaller. And obviously everyone's thinking about what happened with Daniel Jones, but like, you know, it's part of the NFL these days. And I just want to see them utilize that skill set because he's, he can move and he's athletic. Another thing is just pass the ball on first down. They don't do that ever. It's like I literally know every first down it's going to be hand off to Ty Johnson, hand off to Coleman, hand off to Carter. It's like you got to mix it up. You've got to make the defense actually take you seriously because I think it's part of why they're coming out so flat. It's like they know they're going to hand the ball off every first down at the beginning of every drive. It's like you've got to have some creativity, play action, anything. You just got to throw the ball, and they're not doing enough slants. I feel like the short passes they're doing are all these bubble screens, and they're just doing like some curls, but – I want to see some things change up and how they operate there. What do you have? What are your two? Yeah. I mean, um, honestly, you know, it's so offense driven and that's, it's gotta be. Um, but really my big things are, I want to see it kind of just, uh, again, a broader scale, but how they get this offense going and starting in the first quarter, because like we said, you know, the jets aren't good enough to make up for some of these mishaps or mistakes. Um, just like they're not good enough to be able to dig themselves out of a 10, nothing or 17, nothing hole every week. So to get this offense going, I want to see what they can do, what they really look at self scout and what LaFleur comes out with. I think you're hitting on two points, which is RPOs getting Zach, uh, you know, more involved in the run game um, as well as uh, you know, what they can do to just, maybe Zach needs to take a deep shot. Clearly the the kid likes to push the ball downfield, which I love. Um, So maybe they get him going with that. Maybe they take a deep shot to Elijah Moore on the first drive to get Elijah involved, get Zach involved, get him invested, get it, you know, get the blood flowing a little bit. And maybe that kickstarts this offense. I'd like to see an improvement. uh, You know, you were talking about first down runs. I'd like to see an improvement on second down play calling. Look at that um, play call to Jameson Crowder, where they roll right throwback left three blockers let one corner through. And that was on a, you know, a second and 
four or six late in the game that then gets it to third and 11. It's just things like that, where I just feel like on a grand, on a, on a you know, a grand scheme here, they're overcomplicating things that don't need to be, um, you know, same with if you miss on first and 10 and then you got second and long, don't run the ball on second and long either. So those are things that I really, I just want to see what they do to get this offense moving in the right direction early on, sustain drives, even take big shots. Um, you know, that's probably my biggest thing is how they're going to address that because what's the stat? 79 yards in the first quarter, uh, you know, so far this year, is that it? 79 yards and no points. Something like that. It's atrocious. It's it really is. And that's just, you can't climb out of that hole consistently, especially with this team. I think Michael Carter had a quote today where it's like, you know, playing from behind in football is such a different thing than playing either tied or with the lead. And it just changes your entire game plan. So I'd like to see uh, things like that and what they're going to do to really fix that moving forward. Cause I think that's been the biggest detriment to this team um, through the first five games. It's crazy. The Jets literally hadn't had a lead until the Titans game. They went three yeah. straight games without ever holding a lead. And obviously they never lead at all against Atlanta. Yeah. That's, that's unacceptable. Like, listen, teams lose, even though they are winning in a game, like be up. Like if they at least were winning and then lost on a last second field goal, like the lions, like, okay, like whatever. But like, they really need to fix that up. It's just, it's unacceptable. And I just need to see better results from this offense. I mean, I was looking, they're not like even the worst point differential, which is crazy. I think they're like third or fourth worst, which is beyond me. But yeah, yeah. it's just. And, you know, the other thing is to, and probably what everyone has talked about, because I think the Atlanta game kind of magnified what we've seen in the first uh, in the first four weeks with Zach is that he was missing the layup. So how they address that and what they can do to have Zach maybe hit, you know, be able to hit those easy throws. That's another thing that I that I do want to see, I guess. When I look at it, though, I'm happy that the kid pushes the ball downfield because I like that. It's almost like he feels more comfortable. So I'd rather have that than have someone that's like just checking down and not even looking to hit the ball or throw the ball downfield. So I do like that he's more comfortable kind of, you know, getting out and making things happen. Uh, the other thing from Zach I'd like to see is it's like the same thing that you love kind of drives you crazy because I've. I feel like I've seen probably, I don't know, five to seven times during the first few games here where the first down has been there if you were to scramble for it, but because he's looking downfield and he makes the throw, he doesn't get it. So there's been some, some conversions that he probably could have made simply if he ran past the sticks and taken that, those, those, you know, given yards. Um, but instead he's chosen to to throw the ball downfield for an incompletion or whatever, and just don't get the first down and they punt. Um, so that is something that, uh, you know, that I would like to see the other thing. And I know Connor uh, Rogers on Badlands has been a huge proponent of this, but I would say on the, on the aggression scale on the aggressiveness scale, Sal has been probably like a five or six out of 10. I'd like to see him turn that up a notch. Realize that this year you're playing with house money. I think that's a, that's a, a really good thing that he's got in his pocket right now that he can pull out at any time. Go for two point conversions. If you're in their territory, go for fourth downs, get a little more aggressive. I really, I love that in the Tennessee game. I want to see it more um, against Atlanta. There was a fourth and five on the, on the 45 when they were down, still down two scores. I think it was 20 to nine, 20 to nine at the time. Go for it. Like let's realize that this is a, it's a gimme year. You're playing with house money, man. You have the chance. And right now see how your team responds. So I'd like to see a uh, solid kind of turn up the aggressiveness in the last 12 yeah, weeks. I agree. Don't play scared. That, that's something big that Connor's been talking about as well on the on Badlands. You're talking about that one situation. I, you might have just touched on it. it. Was just like it was like fourth and five from you mm-hmm. know, the Atlanta 45. It's like this is a free year. You're not getting fired. No one on this staff is getting fired unless they get into a fight or get into legal trouble. Like literally, this entire staff is coming back. Be as aggressive as you want. People are not going to rip you. Yes, they'll question, but yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done that. But at least you're showing you're not playing scared. And I felt like, like we talked about this last week, we really, even though they didn't convert that, you know, that third down to Corey, basically it was an easy throw for Zach and he missed them. We were happy that they at least took the chance and tried to win the game right then and there. And where was that? Like you were losing, you need to be more aggressive. You have to play with urgency. And that's like something this team has been lacking for years. Like realistically, the last time offensively they've had urgency was either when Jeremy Bates was calling the plays with Darnold, like towards the back end of his rookie year, or 2015 when they had like the best offense we've seen in quite some time. I don't most even really know. Yeah. Most balanced, at least, because they were able to run the ball. They were able to air it out. You know, they had 2,000 yard receivers. Like, when the hell are we going to get that again? I don't know. But yeah, aggressiveness is so key coming out of this bye. They just need to come out not lethargic like they have been so many times this season. It's just fans are getting impatient and they're going to start to question the long term view of the staff. I mean, 
to me, they have until next, at least some point next year, but it's like, I want to see signs to believe that I don't have to worry about this anymore. And I'm hoping this reflection period will get there. And I, I love that. I read that Zach said he's going home to Utah to see his family. In addition to that, he's been working with John Beck, which is personal quarterback coach to me that's showing he's like, I know I haven't been my best. I want to get better. And I'm hoping that the rest of the team is doing that and whatever they need to do on their time off. I mean, obviously enjoy a little bit of time off. You deserve it, but same time, you got to get back to work and you got to stay in shape and you got to figure out the best ways to improve your game. Yeah, I think, uh, no, I think you're, you're totally right here. And the other thing, you know, it's hard in the NFL because every game is, is brand new. It's a new experience. I know that this is the youngest team in the league. So every game they play is a learning experience for them. So you know that it truly is a building block. I'd like to see that on the field. I think what we've come accustomed, what we've become accustomed to here is that like every, every week is just a brand new experience, clean slate. You have no idea what you're going to get. You know, we were all hoping that after that Tennessee game, they'd come out with the, and, and that Tennessee game would be a building block. So you'd start to visibly see uh, the progression, but we didn't, it was just, again, clean slate. They start out with an offensive dud performance in the first quarter and a half until they finally get a fire under their ass. And then they start going, I'd like to start seeing those things be building blocks where you can truly see the progression on TV or in person, you know, if you're there where you know that they're making progress, you know, that the mistakes they made early in the year are ones that they're learning from and not making again. So that's just another thing is I'd like to, to really just kind of see the progression that, you know, that these games are true building blocks and they're learning from the experiences in past games. Agreed. We actually got a good um, comment from one of the, the uh, viewers on YouTube. I was going to say listener, but he's viewing uh, from Jets gang. He was saying, why don't the Jets ever do a hurry up? That's a great question. They should be doing that. We have yet to really see it. They haven't really been in a situation where they were in a two minute drill when they're trying to score points. I want to see that. I want to see Zach, you know, try to put some pressure on the defense because, you know, that's how good teams operate. Good teams are trying to make the defense get caught off guard by just calling a quick play and making them, you know, kind of in chaos. So I agree. Yeah. And that can also help you get penalties because sometimes they can get like, you know, illegal substitution and all that stuff. You got to do that. We always say I, take deep shots, get past yeah. parents. I think it's a great way to get. Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. I think it's 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 one of those common ways to get your young quarterback in a groove uh, across the board, not just Zach Wilson. I think that's usually and when you have someone like Zach Wilson who's saying, you know, I think I'm I'm, I'm aiming these short passes, I'm overthinking a little bit. So that's a way to kind of you know speed up that process and maybe just let them play ball. And, and you got you, you got guys like Nick Saban who's like, I can understand why anybody huddles anymore because if you don't huddle, that's such a disadvantage to the defense. Like seriously, you shouldn't even do it. So I do think that's a way that they can get creative. And I agree with the viewer if if, if they look at doing you know, doing things differently. Um, that would be an honestly a great way to be able to get this offense going. That get Zach Wilson kind of in a groove and do something different. So our guest is here. Hey, Paul. We we'll wait till you get your uh, your picture off and we can see you. But uh, you know, welcome to the show, Paul Eston. You know, he's a radio host up in the Syracuse area for the Manchild Show with Boy Green, also the host of the Jet Zone. What's up, Paul? How you doing, man? Boys, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. This is uh, this is uh, this is historic what's happening right now. So thank you so much for uh, allowing me on the show. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're very welcome. We're excited to have you on for a few minutes. Um, just been talking about things we want to see that's like different, you know, going, coming out of the bye week but you know, we talked about the Atlanta game. I'm sure you don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm sure you've been talking about it plenty you know, this past week, but you know, what's the biggest thing that you want to see coming out of the bye week whether it's an adjustment, you know, just anything, whether it's personnel changes, what do you got? By the way, randomly, is that the Calvin Pace, Tom Brady, Sports Illustrated right behind? Hey, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Great decor. I thought I had something with the whole custom banner, Jetsta. Wow. Just got to say, wow. That's what I'm talking about. Anywho, I'm not sure. I'm sure someone has must have brought that up on TOJ Live before. But anywho, what was the question? <laughs> I was just saying, what's the biggest adjustment that you want to see from this team coming out of the bye week? 
scoring points in the first half. That'd be nice. I mean, that number, those statistics that have come out are disgusting. I mean, I look at it. I want to initiate the gag reflex. It's like 74 to 13, six turnovers, two turnovers, thousand yards, 400. It's disgusting. I mean, it's just gross. So I don't give a crap. Mike LaFleur, Zach Wilson, drop the ball, this the ball. I don't care who's responsible. Somebody's got to step up to the plate, man, because quite frankly, it's a miracle the Jets have won a single game, knowing those factoids through the first five games of the season. Some of them randomly stumbled into Tennessee, which is great. It was wild and awesome and exciting. But the fact of the matter is they can't compete. It's not realistic. If that's the crap they're getting in the first half, I mean, it's fun from a fan's perspective that's not a Jets fan, that the Jets just turn it on the second half, keep it interesting for the fans. But, I mean, the offense has got to show up, man. Preaching to the choir. We were talking about this earlier <laughs> in the show. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Paul, so through through five games, man, let me ask you, what's your assessment uh, right now with the coaching staff, especially coming off what we came from, from, you know, years of, of Todd Bowles and, and Adam Gase? Um, how do you feel the coaching staff is doing? Let's let's talk about your assessment of Robert Sala, Michael Floor, and Jeff Ulbrich. Well, you got to start at the top, and you would think that would mean Robert Sala, but it's Jeff Ulbrich, baby. I mean – I'm going to be honest. When I looked at this defense, I said, you know, I was doing all those gifts of doing the cross. I'm like, well, let's see what happens. The old YOLO. And, uh, you know, I was worried, especially the cornerbacks. So I'm eating the biggest L. I'm on a media tour, LLL, everywhere on the corners. I thought they were going to get sliced up. And I thought because of that, Zach Wilson would have no choice but to turn the, you know, the cap backwards and say, here we go, folks. We got to throw it all over the barnyard. I, I thought that was going to happen. So, you know, I really like Bryce Hall. I liked him coming in. He's been way better than I could have expected. And then just randos, day three picks or undrafted guys like Isaiah Dunn, Brandon Eccles, Michael Carter II. I, I mean, what Jeff Olberg has been able to do is like the most underrated hire the Jets have made in terms of coaches that we brushed that off. And most of it was because Robert Sala called plays in San Francisco, not Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Olberg was doing his own thing as an interim uh, just as past as the DC for Atlanta, but like it was brushed over. Of course, uh, Sala is going to call the plays. And when he didn't, we were kind of like, Hmm, interesting. All right. Oh, whatever. He'll be overseeing the operation. So, you know, nothing to make of Jeff Olberg and he's been fantastic. You know, on Mike LaFleur's side, I think a lot of us were excited about the Salah hire because he was going to pair with someone, whether it was McDaniel there in San Fran or whether it was LaFleur. One of the two. They were both prodigies, geniuses, Mozarts. We're like, oh, great. We're going to get him right at the beginning of this trip. People were talking about first world problems like, oh, man, we can't hire him. He's going to be a head coach in two years. What? People were saying that? And now look to the first five weeks. So. You know, LaFleur, obviously it's an incomplete grade, but it's more leaning towards, you know, not good than great. But to be honest, what were expectations for the guy? I, I mean, he looks like he's 12 years old. I mean, how long has he been doing this for Pete's sake? So, you know, Mike LaFleur's incomplete and Sal, I love. I'm going to buy it. I know it's one and four. I know it's not great. But what were we expecting record-wise anyway? So Sal was a phenomenal hire. I loved the hire when it happened. I fell in love with him when he was on the Adam Schefter podcast at the end of 2020. I heard his story, heard his family. Like, oh, my, I'm ready to run through a brick wall for this guy. So overall, it's a major plus in Brand Boyer, obviously. Uh, he's been uh, he's been he's been a special guy. And I know they're, again, missing pieces, revolving door at kicker, and then the punter thing as well. But I, I like Brant Boyer as well. We were saying Morstead should keep the job. I mean, Braden Men really hasn't been that good since he got here. And I'm sure Michael Nanya, if he sees this, is probably going to get mad at me or tweet at me <laughs> something angry. But no, I agree with you. And it's kind of funny that we all thought LaFleur was going to be like this amazing coordinator, but it turns out that Ulbricht has been the better coordinator. You know, there's still, you know, 12 games left in the season. So things could change. We could feel differently. But at the end of the day, this roster has plenty of holes. It's a young team, youngest roster in the NFL by far. This we like expecting like us to be, you know, you know, three and two right now was just unrealistic. That wasn't gonna happen. I mean, I'm happy that they got the win. And like you said, who knows when it was gonna come? I mean, Cincinnati looks a lot better than we thought they'd be, and that's a tough game coming after the New England game after the bye. But you know, I they're gonna win some games they're not supposed to. I mean, they weren't supposed to win the Tennessee game like when the schedule came out, but I'm excited. I think things are gonna be different, they're gonna play with more urgency, they're going to change some things up. I think. Zach's going to stop pressing. I think this is going to be a good time to reflect on some of the things that he hasn't done well and build on the things that he's done well because he knows he hasn't been perfect and he knows he can be better. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I know a hot topic. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I know a hot topic of conversation this, this week too. Uh, and you heard Steve Young say it, I believe on the Michael K show is really what the importance of Greg Knapp was and, and what that tragic loss, you know, not only meant uh, obviously, but uh, for this team, I think pairing him who's got a world of experience in the NFL and, and in this system with the quarterbacks that he's led and the offenses he's been in, but pairing him with a rookie offensive coordinator, a rookie quarterback and Michael floor and Zach Wilson, I think was going to be hugely important. Um, and obviously they just had to pivot, uh, you know, right before training camp, which is extremely difficult to do. I think that also kind of highlights the fact though, the, the lack, you know, something that Joe Douglas probably missed on uh, when they're assessing the lack of a veteran presence in this locker room, who's to say what a Josh McCown type could do for, for Zach Wilson in the absence of, of now, you know, a guy like Greg Knapp. So um, I think that's a, a swing and a miss, honestly, is, is rolling with Mike White as the backup to Zach Wilson. It just feels kind of like the blind leading the blind at this point. So I think that was something obviously that was unforeseen, but that has had a huge impact on, um, you know, what we're looking at with this offense and what has been, you know, through the first five weeks. So it'll be very interesting to see what they do uh, over the bye week to and, and how they come out, uh, you know, week seven against New England. Yeah, I made the comparison on the podcast, and this is the best way I can put it. Obviously, our thoughts and love and everything are sent out to Knapp's family, and he survived by his beautiful daughters, his wife, and his family. But purely from a football perspective, you're right. The Jets, in theory, had the perfect salt and pepper, the young prodigy guy, and they had a guy who has overseen so many phenomenal – I mean, people gloss over his, his resume and his track record. I, I mean, Steve Young, Michael Vick. I mean, these are the best Hayden, of the best. Hey, man. Peyton Manning, yeah, who? Yeah, oh, yeah, that guy, too. Yeah, throw him on the list. So, again, all of these guys are, are, like, incredible. But I compared it to this on my podcast. It's like, again, you had a normal parental relationship, right? Father, father, mother, son, Zach Wilson, right? Then all of a sudden, something happens to the father. He's gone. And all of a sudden, now, you've just got, like, a stepfather coming in. That's what Matt Cavanaugh is. And they don't have the same relationship. It's like you just can't insert any old guy in there, and he's going to be like, dad and then all of a sudden the the experience and the mojo is all going to be there so again the jets had no option obviously because of the unfortunate tragedy that happened here so the jets were trying to pivot the best way they could where you're right and the jets swung and missed that was within their control was obviously the quarterback situation mike white james morgan i mean we're begging for anybody somebody like a nick Foles, a josh mccown's another good one there's been a lot of smoke around that recently perhaps uh, that can come to fruition one way or another. I do think there is something to a rookie, you know, whether it's high of Tennessee or low of the Patriots game is probably the two polar opposites on the roller coaster is going into the film room and looking at that and having a Josh account there going, oh, man, look at this. Hey, I, you know, in 2002, I did this, man. Again, you could do it. And having that voice in there is important. That was a swing and a miss by Joe Douglas. They had several swings and misses. That's one of the big ones. I think tight end is another one. Again, the complete just lack of anything there, knowing how important that was. Again, whether that's a failure on Joe Douglas for just not investing anything beyond Tyler Croft or the coaching staff saying, guys, don't worry. Uh, Ryan Griffin will be fine. Uh, Trayvon Wesco, Daniel Brown, the system will work. And Joe Douglas like, okay, I'll trust you. One way or another, blame everybody. It doesn't matter. That's the other big miss. But, you know, maybe the quarterback can still happen, but it's kind of weird on October 13th to be like, yikes, we blew that one. Let's bring a veteran in now. That would be strange. And I, I think that, yeah, I think the tight end thing, it's kind of, uh, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg. So it's a, it's a swing and a miss on both parts. So if, you, if the coaching staff knew they were going to continue to run this two tight end personnel and Joe Douglas knew that as well. And the best thing he could come up with is Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin, then shame on him. But if Joe Douglas didn't know that, and the best thing he came up with was Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin, then shame on the coaching staff for continuing to run this two tight end personnel and trying to shove it down our throats. So whatever the, the gap was there, it's a, it, it's someone's at fault and it needs to be addressed. And I think coming out of the bye week and Steven, you and I mentioned it like four times already on, on this episode alone, but I think that's what needs, we need to see changes. They need to switch that up. They need to get the best players on the field, the best weapons on the field at the same time for Zach Wilson's development. So, Paul, let's let's go. Uh, we'll, we'll talk kind of bigger picture here. So now through five games and with, uh, you know, the two seasons un under the belt now with Joe Douglas, what is your assessment of him uh, and what he's kind of put together on the field here through uh, what two and a half seasons we're in? What a complicated picture, right? You see that 2020 draft, you're like, oh, God, I wouldn't bring that home to mama to show her it's disgusting. And then on the other side, I look at these random waiver wires, undrafted, Javelin, Gidry, Bryce, Huff, John Franklin Myers. I'm like, 
what kind of wizardry? And then you look at the draft, you're like, did this like did this come from the same person? I don't understand. So I'm somewhat confused. And then obviously you can't really for any just, you know, in all seriousness, any normal draft class, you can't really, you know, understand and appreciate it for like three years time. But this 2021 draft looks pretty good. I mean, almost by nature, rookies are just playing, but they're playing well. And that's the thing that stands out. So there's a lot of great. And then there's just a lot of weird, like, you know, in some alternate universe, remember, he convinced some guy off his couch to be his starting center somewhere in the middle of August. That was weird. Did that happen? That happened from what I'm told by the, by the producers that are apparently sitting over here in the corner. So again, that's weird. The whole thing is weird, but overall, I, I mean, ultimately here, I think there was a lot of swings and misses by Douglas, uh, whether, yes. you know, initially on the offensive line, although things are starting to move and groove, I love what I'm seeing from AVT, but again, the GVR, the refusal to move Connor McGovern to right guard really angered me in the off season because that to me is just, you know, you just have the blinders on. You refuse to adapt. That, to me, was the big thing because there were centers available. Corey Lindsley in free agency. Creed Humphrey in the draft where you could have hit two birds, one stone. I thought that would have been the best, most apt way to address offensive line. Because, again, Rome isn't built in one day, but that would have helped. You have Mekhi Becton. You draft Elijah Vera Tucker, not Connor McGovern right guard. I think he would have been serviceable. Whoever the center is, Creed Humphrey looks fantastic. I don't want to go 20-20 hindsight, but I thought he was good in the draft. And then right tackle, whoever that would have been, George Vant, you still sign Morgan Moses, who knows? So there's been a lot of misses. I mean, if I had to give him an official grade, it'd probably be a C, but there's a lot more to C uh, for uh, Joe Douglas as we move forward here. Yeah, I mean, his legacy is going to be determined about what Zach Wilson is because absolutely, basically if Zach Wilson isn't showing progress by the end of the year or I guess early next year, he's going to be out of a job at the end of 2022. So the seat is starting to get a little bit warmer for Joe Douglas, but at the end of the day, he's safe for right now because new staff, new quarterback, we're only five games into this, this whole new system. So, you know, like you said, a lot of swings, a lot of misses, but there were some hits. I mean, Bryce Hall looks like he could be a cornerback one, which is awesome because we've really been looking for that perfect outside corner really since Revis, because I know when Revis came back, he was good for 2015, but then 2016, he fell off a cliff and then he just was never the same, but yeah, it's it's been needed. We need a, a number one corner in the worst way. The other thing I'll just jump in here to throw in here, and it's something, again, which just goes to speak to it, the trades. Joe Douglas, again, but he, he apparently throws a bag over someone's head and throws them in a minivan. They have no idea where they are, and he has, like, all kinds of torture things going on where he's like, hey, Chris Hunter for a fourth. Okay, I'll do it. And, like, Jamal Adams, like, I still don't understand. And that pick, hmm, juicy. I'm a huge draft guy. Top 10, top 50. You would have told me that before. Jamal Adams, two first. I'm like, okay, that's great. They'll both be in the 20s. You know, Russell Wilson, the stat that goes around all the time is since he's been quarterback, he hasn't a team that he's manned that's been worse than 9-7. and seven. So I'm like, okay, it'll be in the 20s. But still, two first, pretty nice. And then Russell Wilson, 149 consecutive starts. That'll never end. And then he blows up his middle finger. Okay, football god, you want to give us one? Sweet. So that could be top 10, top 15. That could be a blue chip prospect right there at a critical position in need. I thought, really, if you just even wipe away this first, I'll keep it. But just if you wiped it off the board and you had just Elijah Vera Tucker, to me, phenomenal. You have yep. a building block for 10 years. Jamal Adams is his safety that first off the positional value. We can argue about that. And then the money. Don't got to argue about that. That's wild. So they won just on that. Everything else is gravy and it looks fantastic. Yeah, no, you've, you hit on a lot of good points. And I mean, Jamal Adams is cooked on Thursday night football last week. We <laughs> saw him get exposed big time, but yeah, who knows? We could maybe get a top 15 pick depending on what happens with Gino, who has a soft place in my heart as a West Virginia alum. You know, it, it's, 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 it's a tale of two swords here because I want Gino to do well for my own vindication of hoping that he could be something but I hate Jamal Adams for just how embarrassing he was at the end of his time here. And I want that pick to be good. So it's tough, but I Maybe guess I kind of have both, right. Geno Smith's lighting up the world. We're going, Gino, I, I have the Geno Smith jersey in the closet. I'm ready to go grab it. And then all of a sudden Jamal Adams on the other side is just allowing touchdowns. So it's just, they're losing 55, 52. I'm like, go Gino, screw you, Jamal. That could be phenomenal. <laughs> oh, you have all the energy in the world. It's nine, it's nine 17 at night right now. I love it. <laughs> it's just here i, I don't it, it's uh, just how the engine operates i'm not sure but i try to bring it 110 all the time <laughs> I, I love it i love it so uh, paul let's let's fast forward to after the bye week i mean what realistically are you looking at for the remaining 12 games here on the jet schedule what do you think is going to happen what are you really looking to see as we uh 
you know, move to close out 2021. 13 and four. I mean, let's go. What are we talking about here? I mean, come on, that can still make the playoffs. No, I mean, in all seriousness, you know, I'm a weird guy because like, so on one side, I got a job, right? I'm the New York Jets digital reporter for heavy.com. That's on the byline, right? And I'm also a diehard Jets fan. So I kind of mix these worlds of both like trying to play with your brain and your heart. And, you know, for me, every game we go into, like the Falcons game, oh, wow, if the Jets do this, 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 they can win this game. Then, of course, they lose. And I'm like, well, those things didn't happen. So I go into it optimistically. I am an optimistic glass half full guy by nature. And to me, you still look at the schedule. There's a lot of garbaggio on the schedule. Jacksonville and and and, and then there's the Dolphins twice. Great. And there's a bunch of weird 50-50 games in there. And I, I think Stephen said it off the top is that there's going to be a lot of games the Jets win that we're not expecting, right? The ones that we're like, like, you know, I, I don't want to just throw, Tampa Bay. I'm not saying they win that one, but that's just like one that, oh, the Jets are going to get killed. And all of a sudden they win. You're like, whoa, what? So I, there may be a couple of those down the pike as well. But ultimately, as I think we've all, you guys have talked about on the show and, and others, is that it's Zach Wilson's development. And a couple of wins on the way would be nice just to keep the engines revving. And, and then again, that tangible product of, Oh, again, for Tennessee, not just the win, but Zach Wilson going, oh, wow, I can do this. And also the wins to the rest of the locker room saying, okay, the vision is there. It's hard to do last year when you're 0-8, 0-9, and we know what that era of Jets football was. But that, to me, is it, that you want a tangible product. It doesn't just have to be 10-7, and 9-8, and 8, whatever those records are. But I think the key is Zach Wilson progress. And by progress, I don't need five touchdowns and no picks against the Patriots, but please make that happen. But the thing is, I don't want another New England Patriots four interception disaster. If we can make the median that consistency of 250 yards, a couple of touchdowns, maybe a pick or two, he has a lot of picks. I think that probably will continue in some sense, but I don't want the four interception implosion where he's just throwing the game away. If we can avoid those, I'm going to be a pretty happy Jets fan for the second half of the season. Yeah. I think he's going to play much better this time. You know, he's seen this defense. So I think that is going to be a huge advantage for him going into this situation. And honestly, the Patriots just aren't that good. They should have lost this past week against the Texans. So I feel good about this, this game. I know obviously, and they have two weeks to prepare, but for me, like, I think, I think if they can go five and seven or six and six, the rest of the way, like we'll sign up for that, you know, six wins or seven wins is a good medium. I know like that may be a little bit pushing it. Maybe they're closer to like, you know, four wins, but you never know. It's the NFL. I, nobody thought they'd win this Titans game, and they did. And I think that they're going to get better, and you're going to see a lot of growth with a lot of these young players who, you know, they just went through five games. You know, when they get through 10 games, they're going to look a lot better than they did week one. So I'm super excited to see what happens. Yeah, I think that, your gym, man. Yes. <laughs> I agree. And I think the biggest thing, right, is, is how it looks. You know, because, you you know, you get to seven and ten, but if it looks like the 2019 Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, seven and seven, and nine, that's a different story than if you get to seven and ten and it's like they're scoring 30, 31 points a game or something. And, and you know, they're in every game and games are, they shouldn't be. So I think the how it looks is obviously what we're going to look for, because if if it looks bad and they get the seven and 10 and somehow, you know, win 13 to 10 games, that's not going to be great. But even if they get to, uh, you know, five and 12 or six and 11, but the games look good and they're in it at the end and they're scoring points and the offense is progressing. That's going to be the biggest thing for me is, is really how it looks. And obviously that's going to be just key on Zach Wilson's development and what he looks like. And Paul, to your point, how he can mitigate and, and eliminate those bad games and those four interception games where you say, listen, that loss was solely on him. Um, we want to take those games and just eradicate them, get them out of the picture. So that way, you know that this kid is the, is the real deal and he's here for the future. The one thing I'm just a little fearful of, you know, it's just us three in a room here and then all the walls combined here is that. So this New England game, right? He was a disaster. Uh, Zach Wilson, you know, he's on the gram, right? He's in Twitter and he's seeing all these stories and things. He throws the four picks. I'm sure that coming out of this one, he's like, oh, in Foxborough. Oh, I can just sling it all over the ball yard and throw it in Belichick's face. The Patriots aren't very good. Somehow they beat the Texans, whatever. And then just lays it on him. If he has that mentality, I'm afraid of him just falling back into the same hole, trying to play hero ball and win the game. So again, I think he will be better. He's seen this defense on the Patriots where it sucked. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, that's a little fearful of me. Just as I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, no, uh, you know, I, I was a former competitor. I, I know what he's talking about. I know Zach Wilson wants to lay it out there for not fans, 
friendly, you know, the savior of the franchise and all this stuff that's piling on top of him. That's the one little fear, but hopefully that can be quelled quickly uh, in week seven. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Go ahead, Stephen. No, I was just, I was just agreeing with him. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's going to be, and we said this at the start of the show, Paul, before you jumped down, but it's going to be very telling uh, how they come out of the bye. Um, obviously for the remaining 12 games, but specifically this game with the history that, that Zach had in week two against, against New England, but Really, you know, from a coaching staff standpoint, uh, historically, uh, specifically recently, the Jets have not been good coming out of bye weeks. They've been terrible at halftime adjustments. So those are kind of things that are one and the same is how they can, you know, quick uh, take a look at what's going on, make adjustments and and put them out on the field. Now, uh, you know, over the bye week, that's just the same thing as halftime adjustments, just in a you know, larger time frame. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they look at themselves and what changes they make coming out here and what that really looks like for the rest of the season. But uh, specifically against New England in Foxborough against Bill Belichick again, when that uh, four interception performance happened just, you know, a few weeks ago. The encouraging sign has to be, you know, if we're really going, you know, silver lining here is that the Jets have found ways to flip the switch at halftime. So a credit to the coaching staff for making adjustments. We haven't, you know, everyone, and it was a weird Twitter thing recently. Wow, Adam Gase was pretty good at opening drive touchdowns. Yeah, okay. Uh, The nerd studied plays scripted and just practice like it's like you're reading you know a line for a movie that you're doing you read it 30 times you could do it and then they're like all right now just improvise and they're like ah boy uh, and that's where he yeah, fell off true. The so so we're getting that on the other side here with robert Sala, which is great the thing that i'm it's an open question not rhetorical in any sense is like can the jets fix this 74 to 13 is it just oh duh, we didn't flip the switch dude we were trying to watch a tv it was unplugged oh plug it in oh here we go 100 points in the first half now like that's my open question can they figure this out because to me as i'm trying to diagnose it as an analyst slash fan as i'm looking at it, i'm like okay you know there's simpler things here in the first half maybe more gimmies uh, more drags crossers just easy things or zach has a quick three-step drop boop right there okay move and groove the ball but realistically open question to everybody here is it fixable because it seems hard to believe that you know over the bye week they're gonna find oh here's the formula guys guys i found it it was in the back it was behind the filing cabinet and then all of a sudden oh here we go that's what you know i don't know yeah we'll see i know and i think you know steve and i we were (laughs) we were talking about it uh you know before you jumped up i think there are things that they can do to make zach wilson's job a little bit easier to get him going early on um i think getting elijah more involved earlier because getting your playmakers touches just seems like the simple thing to do here i think and that's something that if i have one complaint about the staff i just feel like they're overcomplicating simple situations get your playmakers on the field get them the ball figure out a way to get them in open space that's what the shanahan system is supposed to be if you got to roll Zach out more often, if you got to go no huddle, if you got to get him easier throws to hit to get him in a groove, or or if he's the type of guy that you got to take deep shots, you know, earlier on in the game to to, to loosen up that arm because that seems like. He really does like to push the ball down the field. The answer's got to be in there somewhere, um, and if it's not, it's obviously problematic. Definitely, um, Paul. We only got you for a few more minutes, but I do have a personal request question from Will Parkinson. Uh, he just wants to know how come the nickname is Boy Green? What's where's that coming from? Sure. So, uh, you know, I got into the radio business, uh, you know, like eight years ago or something. As I come in as an intern, what I've been told is that you have to have a nickname as soon as you come in and you are stuck with that for the rest of your life. So when I heard that, I'm like, oh boy, hopefully they pick a good one because I have no idea what they're going to base this off of or anything. So I did, uh, I was a sports talk radio show here locally. So again, I started off as an intern for what was called Bud and the Man Child Show. And I'm showing up as an intern, and then they see me as a Jets fan and wearing green all the time. Also, I have a, we don't have enough time to get into all this, but I'm also a Celtics fan. So they're like, what? How does that make any sense? New York, Boston, that doesn't make any sense. But anywho, they saw the green, and then they went, okay, we're going to give you one of two nicknames. Either Elroy, and that's a whole, I was like, Elroy, what the hell does that mean? You know, the Jets, it's Elroy, get it? I'm like, oh, my God, that would be horrible. I'd have to explain that for the rest of my life. What a horrible (laughs) nickname. And they said, well, the other one I was thinking of is Boy Green, so we're going to stick with that. At first, I'm like, well, that's better than Elroy. And here we are. Boy Green 2.5 is now all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, Graham, YouTube, all over the place. So thank God. It's a long, complicated story, but at least it wasn't Elroy. Can you imagine? Hey, let's welcome on Elroy here. Paul Elroy Edston, is that your middle name? What's happening? I don't know. But thank God we didn't go down that road. Yeah. (laughs) 
glad to know that the mystery has been solved because we were curious of where that was coming from. I had a feeling it had something to do with the Jets, but now I know it has to do with the Celtics as well. I'm a yeah, Knicks fan, so don't hate me too much. Oh, um, but no, Paul. <laughs> hey, we're much better. Um, anyway, <laughs> Paul. That's not saying much. Paul, we really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything you want to plug that's coming on, you know, on your show, on your podcast, anything on heavy.com that you want everyone to know about? I've got how much time do we have? But, uh, you know, uh, here's the thing. You, uh, you know, I try to make it easy. Hashtag branding, as my agent says, boy, green, two, five everywhere. Go to Facebook, boy, green, two, five. Pow, I'm there. Twitter.com, boy, green, two, five verified. Wink. So I'm a pretty big deal. So boom, I'm there. YouTube.com slash BoyGreen25. I'm there. Wherever you look, I'm there. Whether you want me there or not, I just happen to somehow be there. It's somewhat weird and creepy, but I- I'm there. So you know what? Uh, just try to hit up all of those, some likes, some follows, and uh, YouTube, which I started back. Uh, I was late to the YouTube game, not quite the TOJ live crew. You guys got this full operation here, and you guys got all this stuff working. But uh, I started, uh, you know, a hell of a season to pick right before the 2-14 and 14 year. I'm like, you know what? Let me hop on the YouTube. Let me try some of those post-game shows and craziness. And uh, it's been growing great. So uh, it's a cool way, and you guys will know this more than me, obviously, is engaging with the fans. It's just such a cool, unique platform. Uh, to be able to talk to fans and and get things off your chest and all things like that so youtube.com slash boygreen25 try to put out unique content all the time cool interviews i'm sure i'll be doing it uh, with you guys soon with a new series that i'll be uh, dropping here soon talking to jets content creators on a weekly basis i'm looking forward to that so yes hit subscribe on the old youtube channel that'd be much appreciated yep definitely we will make sure our channel subscribes to your channel but uh thanks again everyone for tuning in don't forget Subscribe to our channel, you know, turn on the Jets TV at YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter, as we always say. Make sure that you um, follow our podcast feed, the Turn on Jets feed, our show, Will's show, and draft season, which is coming back in late October if you want your draft fix. And last but certainly not least, if you're not a Bad subscriber, it's definitely the time to do it. You know, we do have a new uh, sponsor with Tap RM, which I just posted on Twitter, my order that I got. You get $50, you get $100 worth of beer for 50 bucks in your first order. You really can't beat that. So everyone definitely check that out and try to get that great Jets content from Connor and Joe. I know they did our, their Zoom Q&A today, which I heard went really well. And we appreciate everyone who's been tuning in. We'll talk to you.